Universe, Season 20-something, Episode 4, Osuna Wet-Ass Pussy, the book Lando Calrissian and the Star Caves of Thonboka, Chapters 10 through 12, the year 1983, with your very sure of themselves about that title hosts, Jeff and John. Let's go! Hey everybody, welcome back to Expounded Universe. It's the uh, it's the Star Wars Novel Discussion Podcast, where I, Jeff, discuss Star Wars d- novels, along with my partner, John, who also discusses Star Wars novels. Sorry, the last <laughs> book I read to my daughter was, at her request, one of those, uh, like, uh, was it called the How to Use a Potty or something? <laughs> it's it, it's weird, because Sage's, if I can tell you this, John, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Sage is <laughs> very well potty trained. Uh, <laughs> we, we have we are well beyond diapers. She she's fully potty trained, and yet she found that book recently. It was like, oh, I want to hear this read to me like sixteen times, please. And it's weird because it's written by someone from another country, so it's always they use they explain everything at every stage. So it's always like I, uh, Prudence's mother, gave to Prudence, who is my daughter, this potty, which is a pot in which you could make good wee wees and poo poos. <laughs> and then Prudence, my daughter, told me Prudence's mother. It's just that kind of thing. So I had that. I had that kind of uh, dialect stuck in my head. Ah, that's all. Everything's that's fine. How are you? There's, there's a certain cadence in your brain that you have adopted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm pretty much right about there. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Good. I mean, you know, I've got a little bit of that seasonal affective. Oh, I got them sad brains. Yeah, you need one of them sun lamps. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, the sun pointing right. Except that wouldn't help you because you never go in the sun unless you can help it. Oh, exactly. So I'm not really sure what you could do. Just I don't know. To... Take some vitamin D or something. <laughs> there you go. That's probably the best choice. <laughs> Look, all I need is sunny D. It has solar energy. <laughs> and the problem is you've been woven through a world of purple stuff. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> nah, you know, it's one of those things where I noticed I was about to make one of those like relatable tweets. It was like, Hey, you ever have one of those days where you wake up and you don't want to do anything and then you go back into bed? And I went, my dude, that's depression. You, you, you just described depression. <laughs> it's, still re- it's still relatable to a very specific class of people. That's fine. I mean, for me, that would look very different. It'd be like, you ever have one of those days where all your friends are mad at you, but they won't admit it? <laughs> uh, definitely. Definitely had one of those days. So Star Wars, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah when uh when last we left off uh our heroes had made it to the uh the thon boca yeah. and had met up with lahisu and they were dancing around like fucking eve and wally in space i love it i love that idea that someone's just having some happy dancey out in space joy time in star wars oh yeah it's just you know Lando and a tiny robot dancing with an apartment building in space. I love it. I really do. And I got to say, it's. It, I know recently we've been watching the trend of the Star Wars shows where everyone liked Mandalorian, then everyone hated Book of Boba Fett, then everyone really hated Obi-Wan, and then everyone loved Andor because they were like, it's a gritty, dark reimagining. No fucking space powers or shit. And I was like, oh, fuck. But that was the good stuff. Like the lightsabers and the starships and so on were fun. I liked the fun. I appreciate that this is an incredibly good show. But I don't want this to be Star Wars going forward. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this, to me, is great. A little moment of just 
angelic beauty out in space. What a great idea. Yeah. And so, you know, Lando and Buffy cavorted and danced mm-hmm. with their friend until and- a couple assholes showed up and were like, hey, dickweed, come with me. You got to go see dad. Yeah, basically, Scut Farkas showed up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it honestly reads like Lahisu's two older brothers it that does. don't like him. Yeah, it was really like, "Hey, Dillweed, come on, Dad wants to see you," and he's like, "Oh, I'm playing with my friends. Shut up, your friends suck." <laughs> yeah, so we we get a couple of bullies at the mid range. It's a lot like it, it's a lot like Lando and Buffy encountered the big friendly giant, and then two of the other giants from that storyline showed up, where they're all like, they all make him look tiny. Yeah, because you he's, know the friendliest little giant. Yeah, well, he's about 500 meters across. And these guys are well, about... you're barely enormous. <laughs> yeah. And and these guys are about 750. That's so these these bullies are bigger than him, but they aren't as big as they get. These are these are medium fish. Yeah. And uh so yeah, we start they get told that they're going to be dragged off to see the elders. No boy are they in trouble. And we start in media res. Jesus. Playing Sabak. God fucking damn it. <laughs> It's the, just always Sabak. As soon as I opened up to read for the chapters and the first word was Sabak, I went, oh, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, book. How dare you? I think this might be the last one. I had a big case of the how dare yous. <laughs> I, it, this is either the last one or maybe the second to last one. Maybe they have like an epilogue in here where he's playing Sabak with some new businessman or something. But but yeah, we, we're going to game with Sabak, which is complicated when you think about it because he's playing it with two kilometer across star, uh, like manta rays in a in a huge cave inside of a different huge cave and they can't hold cards or anything because they're just a manta ray with jellyfish bits yeah so instead the way that they are playing sabak is the millennium falcon is projecting television signals Mm -hmm. to the various players and it's two elders and lahisu and uh lando are playing yeah so for the the oswaft that are playing they're just essentially looking at cards in their mind because the television signal is just hitting their brain and they're interpreting it. Yeah. Uh, For Lando, he is having Vuffy Raw essentially tell him what cards he has. Yes. Because he can't just hold cards. And amusingly, the two of them have agreed because they're worried that that, uh, they might be cheated upon by these giant Oswaft creatures. They're speaking entirely in Old High Tramic, a language that was only used by the ancient Sheru... Or, or Toka, back in the first book. No, the ancient Razar. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the ancient Toka and Razar, <laughs> who back in the celestial big, uh, dust of history, were babies. <laughs> Just babies. babies. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's speaking some, he's basically speaking like antiquarian Latin in an attempt to hide his details from, from these giant Oswalk. Apparently, both of them forgot that Lahisu spoke, learned to speak every language available within about 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. They were like, oh, that's right. When he, because uh, <laughs> he learned their language very quickly, but then he was also like, oh, yeah, I taught them your language in about 30 seconds. Yes. Because the only reason it was took that long for me to learn from you is because I had never encountered a language like that before. Yeah. But then transmitting the concept to them took less than a minute. And so he was like, oh, yeah, within like... 30 seconds they had not only been able to know what signals we were telling but deciphered it and then also went we will not intrude yes yeah because they've already kind of become friends they've all been playing sabak for a while and the sabak game itself will harbor a conversation in which we learn why they're playing sabak it's basically lando trying to introduce them to the concept of how every other civilization works 
Yeah, uh, through a Lando lens, which is that every other civilization plays card games constantly and I mean, always wins. I understand the idea of going, hey, guys, because it like he he talks to them and he's like, oh, you guys love like thought puzzles and experiments and things and ways to keep your mind busy because your mind is basically the size of a city block. Yes. And they're like, yeah, we love that shit. And he goes, okay, so a game is like. What if you were trying to figure out a puzzle at the same time someone else was, and they were trying to do it faster than you? Yeah, and they're both like, holy shit! And in fact, one of them turns to the other, and their 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 names are, we just go with Sen, and uh, and the other one is named, I forget the, the they have these super long Sen names. Sen and Fey are Fey. The, the shortened ones. So what we learn about the Oswaft is that they just append more honorifics to their names as they get more important. And that's why all the uh, Lahisu has been calling Lando like Lando Master Captain Calrissian and all that stuff, and being unwilling to drop any of these uh, these honorifics every time. In fact, they just get longer, and it turns out that's because they view him as basically an, a master of his own species. Yeah. So the, the these guys have super long names. In fact, one of them, Sen, the the chief elder of all elders, has a name that has an apostrophe in it just to hide like twelve more syllables that he was like i just don't want to bother with those ones yeah so he is sen wanis apostrophe gore kahipaf mm-hmm. uh the apostrophe as you said hiding stuff because he's like ah oh, i'm much i'm much too humble to make you say my full dumb bullshit name yeah. i assume a lot of the the stuff in the middle there is stuff that gets overridden by the the spoken part of his name yeah i assume it's just like here's the important things and then there's a lot of stuff in there that's like you know grand poobah or whatever yeah. in their <laughs> language Oh, I'm in charge of the local HOA. <laughs> Let's put that behind the apostrophe. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> and then the other one, uh, not quite as important, is Fetahenesaroff. Mm-hmm. No apostrophe, so that's the full name. Yes, so he's not nearly as important as, as Sen. Uh, but yeah, basically the two of them are just endlessly happy to have met Lando. And so they're playing Sabacc with him. Oh yeah, and the, the thing when he describes like what a game is, they're like... Holy shit, have you ever even thought of something oh, like right. that? That's Sen telling that to Faye, and Faye's just sitting there silent because it's a huge concept to him. So he's just like, no, what on earth? What in the Thonboka? Yeah, and it's it's a neat concept, uh, as far as I'm concerned, from Lando to go like, how do I introduce to this race that has never had to even consider duplicitousness or anything like that, the idea of, like competition and the lying because he teaches them about bluffing in the game yeah and so being able to introduce these like hey here's the thing you need to know about humans we're assholes yes and so using that in terms of like game mechanics and then going okay so you know how i taught you how to do this in the game now imagine i was doing that in real life yes and it's useful because the two of them are so insular in their understandings and belief that this is a really big, important way for them to learn what people on the outside of the of the Thonbuk are like. In fact, there's an elder who's missing from the initial part of this conversation, and we'll just call her, uh, because they do give her female uh, uh, pronouns, uh, Boggy. Yep. And Boggy is leading a team out to kind of try and talk to the marine enclave that's guarding the, the entrance and exit to the Thonboka. Yeah, because they were like, uh, of the elders, the three elders... She was like, oh, well, I want to at least attempt to negotiate and see if there was some way we could, like, get them to fuck off if there were any terms that they would agree to. Yes. It's also probably very important to note that we are not in the Thonboka. Well, you still are, of course, 
but we are now inside of a secondary building. In fact, the only thing that Lando can confirm that the that's architectural in nature that the Thonboka have ever built. Yeah. And it's just an or sorry, the, the Oswaft have ever built. And it's just another smaller Thonboka in the middle of the Thonboka. Yeah, they built a star cave in their star cave. Yes. I guess that helps explain the title, doesn't it? Originally, we were making fun of it because, like, it's the Star Cave of Star Cave, but now we're like, no, there's a Star Cave in that Star Cave. There is a Star Cave in the Star Cave. So you can Star Cave while you Star Cave. <laughs> Fucking amazing. Book, I made fun of you and you came through. You <laughs> so, did it. So that, and, uh, it's a perfect mapped out recreation of the original Thonboka, but instead of being like 10 to 20 light years across, it's, a couple hundred kilometers across. Yeah, and but it's still big enough that these one kilometer long uh, creatures can fly around in here freely. Oh yeah, and he is super impressed as Lando because he's like, Lahisa was the only one of the Oswald who was ever given enough of a fuck to leave, mm-hmm. and yet from the outside of the little Star Cave recreation, he's like, oh, they've managed to infer what the outside of the Thonboka looks like perfectly. Yeah, like they're very smart. So now the actual Thonboka itself, the big one, is constructed primarily of stellar dust, uh, various types of gases, and small particulate matter, occasionally rising up to giant meteors and so on that are floating in it. Uh, this is not the case for the mini Thonboka. The mini Thonboka instead is made of... Gems! It's just, and holograms! It's just diamonds. It's just precious super diamonds for kilometers and kilometers in every direction. Yeah, they just made a bunch of precious gems in whatever colors they needed to fit whatever needed to look like the Thonboka, but he's like, holy shit, do you know what the street value of this star cave is? I can't imagine it possibly has a real street value, because if you were to manage to haul all those ridiculous amounts of tonnage of jewels out of the cave, you'd just destabilize anywhere you went. Well, here's the thing. You've got an entire fucking galaxy, (laughs) so you could just go place to place and be like, some gems, sir. A couple Some gems. gems. <laughs> Monsieur's gems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is true. You could do that. Uh, so, but he's explaining to them the basic concepts of Sabacc. Uh, he's trying to keep his own hand a secret with old High Tramic. He doesn't need to. These, th- these things, these Oswaft are so principled and honorable that they learned right away that they can speak o- o- old High Tramic and just chose to selectively ignore it. Yeah, they're like, oh, we wouldn't do that. And not even like... Not even a conscious decision of, oh, well, we're trying to be fair and play the game, so we won't. It's just, oh, that would never even occur to us to, like, listen in where we weren't supposed to. We're just that good. Well, we just learned the concept of a game, and the concept of a game is to solve a puzzle faster than someone else can, and it wouldn't be any fair if you could listen to them solve the puzzle in real time while you were doing it. Yeah. So, so yeah, these guys are just super nice about everything. Of course, it's Lando, so it doesn't matter if they know what his <laughs> hand is, because he'd just go... Oh, I I had a negative one hand, and then suddenly I had Sabacc. Doot, 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 loot. I'm Lando. That's what happens in this chapter. He gets, like, the three of staves and the commander of cups or coins or whatever, and then he's like, well, that's a shitty hand. I'll take one, please, Millennium Falcon, who, by the way, the, the uh, Oswaft have also elevated to status of being a master among their species. Its name is, like, Starship Millennium Falcon now. Yeah. Um... But he gets one card, and he's, oh, this card's useless. Well, don't worry, Master. Your other card just transitioned into, I know, I know, I got some back. <laughs> I know, something <laughs> happened, and I win. <laughs> I think Lando's at a point where he doesn't even need to look at his cards. He could just kind of, at a certain point, go, Sabak and put his hands down and be right. Yeah, they're like, yeah, probably. But now we know that these creatures owe him 123 million credits. Yeah, because they've just been, like, because in addition to 
teaching how to play Sabaki. He's like, oh, and obviously you have to play for something. Yeah. So he is just playing for millions of credits worth of precious gems. And of course, they don't give a fuck. I know. And I, I think the one thing I'm missing from this conversation, which I ultimately found to be a lot of fun, is what did he have with his... What did he start with? What was his bank? He'd show up and be like, yeah, I'd like to bet... Uh, well, I guess I gotta take a dump. You want that, right? Well, I mean, he did bring a shit ton of nutrients with yeah, him. Yeah, that's been expressly said to be a charitable donation he's making to them and not part of his bet structure. Ah. He's given them that anyway. So what the hell did he... St- what did he stake on? I mean... I- I'm guessing they just were like, we don't give a fuck. Yeah. Probably just went, uh, I'll bet you five million credits worth of gems. They went, I assume you have that. Yeah. And I obviously know what a credit is. And if you don't, I assume Lahisa will poop them out for you, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, for for the Oswald, this gambling structure is like, hey, I bet I'll take a dump on your lawn. I bet I'll take two dumps on your lawn. (laughs) Like, who gives a shit? They don't care. So... Lando learns about what's up with Boggy. He hears a little bit from Lahisu and from Sen, and he asks the hard question, which scares the shit out of Sen. Or, sorry, scares the shit out of Lahisu. And the hard question is, do you people want to die? Yeah, like, here's the thing. You have a few options, and, you know, you keep talking about how you're not going to run, you're not going to fight, so do you just plan on dying? And they're like, I mean, not if we can help it. He's like, all right, well, then fucking do something. Well, that's what Boggy's for. Boggy's out there to ask the question. Uh, We get another couple little bits of business before we get the answer to the Boggy question. Like, for example, uh, when... Well, even Lando's like, you know, it doesn't matter if they go try to negotiate, because even if she goes out there and is like, hey, what do you want? The terms they're going to give are your entire annihilation. Yes. They yeah. do not want anything but your death. Yeah, so Lando points that out to them. Like, she's on a fool's errand. That She's just going to get shot at. There's and not- the elders agree. They're like, yeah, but we're not going to stop an elder from doing the thing they want to yeah. do. So The thing I wanted to point out was what had happened to the two bullies that, that dragged them over here. Oh, yeah. After, we get a story about how they did not understand that Lando could not just fly at light speed like they can. So it took them several minutes of tense negotiation to be like, please let me go back in my ship and then we will follow you. Oh. Uh, but when they got there... The, uh, Sen was like, yeah, they're just overzealous shitheads. You know, adolescents, they're the worst. And he, like, zaps them with a bolt of, of just generic disappointment that would have completely obliterated the Falcon. Yeah. They, essentially, because, you know, they completely communicate with various waves, it was a, like... Grump wave. It was a, essentially the same thing as, like, slapping your idiot nephew across the back of the head. Yes. But with a beam of concentrated microwave. And he's like, oh, that would have blown up my fucking ship. Yes. Now, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't kill the Oswalds bullies. No, of course. Like I said, it's basically like thumping them on the back of the head and going, quit being an idiot. Yeah, so they leave the secondary star cave. But I just like that that happens. So we learn that, yes, these things have super concentrated mega weapons that are just sort of, they're talking. Yeah, because they're so gigantic and they have to communicate with, you know, concentrated waves of energy anyway, they're like, oh yeah, we can just turn it into whatever fucking wave we want to. Yes. So, um... So while that's happening, while we're still watching, uh, we do get a moment where Lando and Buffy go back onto the ship to discuss options, and Lando needs to drink fruit juice because he's getting dehydrated by being in a spaceship so long. But we eventually get a note from a uh, Oswalf that's coming into the Star Cave who is just returning from way out at the outer wall, and they're like, yeah, there's a real problem. But, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Before that, we do have the discussion about what Lando thinks they should do. Yeah. I'm sorry. Because he's like, all right, uh... Your options are, one, you just give up and die, and I know you don't want to do that. Yep. Uh, Two is you fight, and they're like, yeah, we can't. We don't even know how to fight. He's like, yeah, I get it. 
Three, you, you fuck jump, off. Can you leave? And they're like, uh, we, don't, we, we couldn't imagine leaving. And he's like, well, can you jump outside the Thonboka from through the walls? And they're like, no, for the same reason you couldn't go well, light no. speed through it. Uh, not through the back wall is what he's asking. Oh, okay. Because yeah. that was for the other option. Yeah. Cause he's, but he was like, you know, you could run away. And they're like, no, imagine if you had to run away from where you were from. And he's like, my dude, that is literally what I have been doing my whole life. No, no one even knows where I'm from. That's not a thing that has a can and answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it is one of those things where, of course, they're like, we can't even begin to fathom the idea of leaving this place. Yeah. So he, he asks a couple of pointed questions that lead towards future possible plot developments in other chapters. Notably, he says, like, it, you know, everyone knows what you look like when you die, right? You, de- you decompose into dust. Yeah, you just explode into component parts. And they're like, yeah, that's why would you bring that up? But he's like, don't worry about it. And of course, as fellow humans to Lando, I, I know John had the same thought I did, which is like, okay, build a big fake army of yourselves and let them blow that up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his big que- thing was just like, all right, here's here's my idea. Since you just turn into, like, flecks of component parts when you die... What if you go hide in the thick parts of the Thonboka, like yeah, the back of the in. cave, essentially? Yeah. Uh, you can't jump through it because it's dense enough of a cloud that going that fast would burn you up. Yes. But hide there where you're outside of sensor range, and I'll just shit a bunch of, you know, component parts into the atmosphere, and then they can think, oh, they died from starvation or whatever. Yeah, that could work. I also like the idea of them just building a big fake army of just hollow Oswaft, and when you shoot them, they just decompose into dust because they weren't very strong to begin with. Just fucking Oswaft-shaped balloons. Exactly. It worked in World War II. <laughs> yeah, remember in World War II where he made giant manta ray-looking things? <laughs> no, but we did build big... Well, we didn't, but the British and the Germans did build a lot of big fake airfields with, with plywood airplanes all over them to attract bombs yeah. because they were like, that's good enough. It's good enough as long as you're bombing the dumb shit that we don't care about. <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's a real thing. Um, and, and then he's he's got a potential fourth option that he's about to discuss with them. And this is when we finally get the arrival of the messenger. Yeah, the... Well, not even a messenger, just the... Uh, like, basically the message comes in because yeah. they well, just, they can, you know... Interstellar communication is part of their whole power set. Yeah. And they don't understand, because Lando's in the middle of going like, hey, what do we do? And you hide in the thing, and then I'll spread some stuff. And he notices that they have gone very quiet. And at the end of his spiel, he's like, all right, well, we've got stuff to talk about, because uh, it turns out Boggy just got blown the fuck up. So, yeah, it turns out Boggy went out there to say hi <clears throat> and was immediately obliterated. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, also obliterated their ship. So the mm-hmm. courteous that uh the, the ship that lando skipped by promising ice cream to yeah the the one that was at the front of the blockade got absolutely blown up because a few of the oswaft had said stuff to it very loudly because they were afraid they were when they were getting blown up and blew up their ship uh because they had their shields down they were like oh these are just big fucking space manta rays they don't have any weapons it's fine yeah so they got blown the hell up, along with the shockwave of the Curtius, which is effectively, not in name, but effectively a Star Destroyer going down, takes out a whole wave of support ships that are out behind it as well. And now, that's enough to instigate the war, and so here comes the whole fleet into the mouth of the, Sto- the Thonboka. They're at war whether they want to be or not. Yeah. Luckily, it's fucking huge. 
So they still have some time to talk about things. Yeah, it's a gigantic fucking area, and there are, as we will find out later in these chapters, billions of Oswaft. Yes. <laughs> and everyone seems to think, as we will also find out throughout the rest of these chapters, that they really are not harmless as long as your shields are up. And I don't, I don't think that's going to be true. Yeah, they're like, oh, well, you know, the beam that they hit, because they were like, oh, they hit this ship with essentially the same force of beam that I hit that idiot kid like a with. Maser, yeah. And it blew up that ship because its shields were down. I'm like, yeah, but that was you gently tapping one of your own. If you were to go, no, let's actually make a concentrated beam to fuck a guy, mm -hmm. that would probably do something. Yeah, and meanwhile, I'm thinking, like, I mean... Yeah, great. You're, even if the shield's up, maybe the microwave yell voices they have don't necessarily work. But they're also just a kilometer across and can generate any kind of, of inorganic or organic matter they want out of their butts whenever they want to. So they could pretty easily just drop a fucking moon on you or just bonk into you. Oh, yeah. I was like, because they can instantaneously jump yeah. with great precision for a giant fucking thing, they're like... Oh, if you're in a fight, they will immediately jump behind your fleet and then just, like, use one of their arms to just flap and smack your ship. Yeah. So, I, I don't know why, throughout the rest of these chapters, they're like, these guys are harmless. I assume it's just hubris. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's the end of the of the first chapter, and we yeah. can jump to chapter 11. Uh, at this point, we're going to enter the vignette era, where everyone's getting a couple paragraphs. Well, this, we jump from... Business in the Thonboka to business at Gepta's. Uh, this is the introduction of Burn something or other. Yeah, Burn Notice. Nibular, I think his name is. And he's another. He's one of the few soldiers who was in the assault on uh, Bohua Mutta's castle that has survived. He's like the last, besides oh, Klitschenga. No, he, was, he was one of the originals from Renatasia. No, I know. But he was also, he's been with him the whole time. That was an important thing to, to Shanga was to put like this is the, this is my guy. He's been my number two this whole fucking time. You see this guy, he's my guy. Um, but ultimately, yes, he is also someone who's been with Shanga all the way since the very beginning of the Renatasia system. He's basically just exactly like Shanga, except he has no particular desire to be in charge of anything. Yeah, and you know he states, "Oh, it's because I'm way too unpredictable." Yeah, and everyone was like, "Oh, you." And he's like, no, for real, I'll just fucking do whatever. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, he has no filters, basically. And uh, he's in he's in the brig on on the Wenice because he thought to himself, hey, it's basically they all got news that the war had started. War were declared over there at the Thonboka. <laughs> and, and he was like, well, fuck, I want to get to that war. I don't want to miss any war. And our ships don't have light speed travel. And uh, Gepta doesn't seem to be accelerating. So I'm going to steal one of the pinnaces on his ship. Ah, yes. Roker, of I'm going to go find that great pinnace. <laughs> I can't believe we finally get to do pinnace jokes again. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it's pinnace time, everyone! <laughs> Christmas came slightly late this year. <laughs> but it brought pinnaces! <laughs> Fives of pinnaces! Pinnace enough at last! <laughs> pinnaces all around. <laughs> ah, finally, enough pinnace to sate me! <laughs> So he decided that the the Wenice contains five light speed capable pinnace ships that would be big enough to to uh, hold, satisfy the needs of Klinshanga's fleet. Yeah, and so he's just I'm just gonna fucking steal one. I don't give a shit. I'm just gonna take one. I'm just gonna try and get in there. And we are continuing to play this whole philosophical debate between how Klinshanga's men are real men because there's no rules that, that are there's no rules just right that, that can apply to them and they do what what they need to and they don't listen to the fucking man. 
versus all the crew of the Wenis being so beaten down by the man that he was just like, it was easy to steal this ship. I just told him I was gonna, and they were like, oh, don't hit me. Yeah. I mean, basically, when he's they first talk, does uh, Shanga and this guy, you know... Burn, yeah. Burn is just like, eh, uh, this place sucks, and this wizard is an idiot. And Shanga's looking around, he's like, Dude, are there fucking bugs in here? Are you just going to get blown up? He's like, I don't give a fuck. What are they going to do? Put me in secret double ultra prison? I'm already in the brig. <laughs> fuck them. And he's like, it's it was easy to try and steal a thing and get up there because everyone is so afraid that if they do something wrong, they will get murdered by a weird wizard that if I tell them, hey, I need to do this thing, they're like, I can't. If I try and go up the chain of command at all and find out I fucked up, I'll just get ripped apart by yeah. a dumb, like, ass spider. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, they should be equally afraid of the other direction as well, because if they fail Roker Gepta, then they will also be ripped apart by a stupid ass spider. Yeah, so, so they're all just like, I'm not uh, going to do anything. Uh, the, the, uh, why would I bother getting involved? I'll get murdered either way. Yeah, I want to make sure that my name is as far from whatever happened as possible, yeah. so I will neither hinder nor help you. Right, and I get it. We've we've definitely established that that Groker Gepta's got a terrible leadership system. I gotta wonder how he didn't notice, given that he's like three thousand five hundred years old. But whatever. Uh, so it took a couple of real men to display to him that he's got bad values. God, I love I love when we get to Clint Shanga confronts Roker. And if you thought that the previous time Shango came out swinging against Roker was bad, this time he's just like, hey. You're a dumb asshole, and I'm going to say it right to your face. Yeah. You suck, and everything you do sucks. Yeah, you're going to fail at this, and I don't care whether we help you or not. You, you're you a piece of shit. And Gept is, of course, just going right back up into his mind palace and being like, No man in a thousand would dare speak to me in such a way. I will keep him alive for centuries before I let him die. But I'll have to do it later, because right now I need him. <laughs> why? Why do you? I, to this point, I still don't understand why he needs any of these fuckers. I mean, they made a pretty strong argument early on. The The whole thing with him being like, oh, all of your fighters and people that you've got on here suck ass and we're the best of the best of the best. And I guess he believes it. I mean, ultimately, it comes down to Roker being bad at math. That's what it is. Because every time Clint Shank, the only thing Shank has got in his pocket is any one of my guys is a match for any five of yours. And I just want Gepter to stop and think for a second and go like, huh. My guys outnumber you seven to one. I like my odds. Yeah, except, again, we don't know the numbers he has. Yeah, we don't we actually don't. know if he has a whole ton of guys. He controls the fucking Navy. Eh, maybe. He does. He gives them an order well, in this episode. Well, he gives them an order. We don't know if that matters. <laughs> oh, I guess that's fair. <laughs> I guess that's fair. Maybe they get that that order like three days later at light speed. They're like, who the, the fuck, fuck is this guy? This <laughs> I mean, when he, when he sends the order, I was like, Oh, we're getting ahead of herself. Whatever. Anyway, so Burn is just kind of like, eh, I tried to do this and I failed, but I don't really care. Uh, anyway, why don't you go tell him that uh, he sucks ass? And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Yeah. So basically, he's Shango wants to keep Burn alive. That's that's basically where he's at. And in terms of, in this pre-trial negotiation, he's just like, look, I want him to get time served in probation. And Gepta's like, I want to section him alive in front of my men. Have you ever seen the Tom Petty don't come around here no more <laughs> video? I'm going to do that, but he's not cake. 
Yeah, the fact that he's like, oh, his punishment will be he will be quartered in front of all of my men and yours. You must watch as he is ripped asunder. And Shanga's like, no, no, we're not full, doing that. Full stop. No, fuck no. you. <laughs> That's not happening. And you're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. To and just it- Shanga being like, no, your ideas are dumb and you're dumb. <laughs> yeah. And of course, we already talked about how Gepta goes up to his mind palace and is like, never before has a man so aroused me. I mean, aroused my ire. <laughs> and, but, but basically, he turns to Shanga after a while and is like, you better have a solid explanation for why I won't just kill your guy. And Shanga's response is, look, there's like two billion of those Oswaft guys and you don't know how to fight them and nothing you have will kill them. And my guys can do it. Which is like, no, they can't. <laughs> I mean, the other That's thing. A hell of a bluff. Being like, look, my dude, we are going at not, like, fucking faster than light because our ships can't do that. You need to allow us to do that or you will lose the opportunity to kill Lando. Like, I need to impress upon you the fact that you are stopping your own revenge here. Yes. Like, I know that you're like, oh, I can't have your men aboard my ship because then they'd fuck my shit up. And also, I can't help your men because I don't help anyone but me. And that's great and all, but you're also fucking yourself. Yes. And eventually they end up in sort of a scientific quandary about whether or not they have the tools it would take to destroy the Oswaft, as well as get Lando before it gets too late. And shanga has been talking with uh, our old friend from the first book that originally had Vuffy Raw. Which is, uh, what's his, Osun Wet? Uh, Osuna, Osuna, Osuna Wet. Oh, sorry, Odefa Osuna Wet. Yeah, Osuna Wet, his name, Odefa, his Title. honorific. Yes. Uh, but Osuna Wet is acting as also the guy who's like, oh, I have the most information about the Oswald. I'm the only person in the entire galaxy who has ever encountered them that isn't Lando. Yeah, also he's their shipboard anthropologist, so he's kind of just their science nerd du jour. And so, uh, basically, Vuffy sends, or, or not Vuffy, well, jeez, Roker seps, sends for him. Yeah, and uh, Shanga has been talking with him. He's like, you told this guy to be as open and forthright with anything that would be useful in combat, and I gotta tell you, there are billions of these fucking guys, they're huge, and you're gonna need all the firepower you can get to take mm-hmm. all of these guys out. That's why you're gonna need my 22 fighter planes. <laughs> and I'm counting 22 because I assume Burn isn't going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dumb. <laughs> 22! I don't care. Even if he outnumbers it, even if they're good 1 to 5 to, to the, that's 110 fighters. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> he's playing so hard. He is, re- basically, he's been dealt a pair of twos, and he is playing it like he's got a full house. And it's impressive to watch. <laughs> uh, and Roker apparently just hasn't bothered to update his own knowledge of this. Yeah. So he's like, wait, that can't be true. Get get wet in here. Yeah, so here comes Defa Osuna Wet, who we have not seen in quite some time, but you would remember him if you've been listening to <laughs> Expounded Universe for a long time, because he's in the first episode of the first of the Lando Calrissian adventure books. Yeah, the guy who originally had Buffy. Yes. And so he shows up and is like, hey, yeah, I'm the I'm the anthropologist here. I'm the guy who knew that these people existed before. 
and I have the most information you'll probably get from anyone. Yeah, and he managed to pull a little bit of data transfer from right before the Curtius got vaporized entirely. Yeah, he's like, all right, well, it turns out uh, they absolutely blew this thing up, but uh, they were just using microwaves, and if the shields were up, they probably wouldn't have done anything to the ship. Mm-hmm. So you can you can probably discount them that way. Yeah, and Gepta's, you know, fairly skeptical. He's like, look, can they make other... Because how do they work? And he's like, well, they're organoelectric. They're sort of like the way we are, but they're more like solid state than us. So they do everything base level. Everything they do is like the, the first shit we discovered about electricity, but amplified to if you were a kilometer long. And the other thing is, because they are that way, they're like... Because they're a solid state drive, essentially, of a brain, they instantly think of things that they are going to do. So their response time is amazing. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, Roker, that while we only saw them shoot a big microwave, I think they can probably fashion any kind of energy wave you want. Yeah. They can just do whatever. You want want disintegration beams, you want the tractor cannons that we have, you want any ionic shots, they can probably do all of those. But also, they aren't immune to any of that. Like... They are still a, you know, flesh and blood-ish being. Mm-hmm. If you shoot them with a disruptor beam, do they not die. bleed? I don't know. They might not, but they'll probably die. <laughs> they'll de- yeah, they'll probably crumble into sand like they do. Yeah. They'll probably get real opaque and then go, Bleh. Yeah, so so is like, well, perfect. Then all we need is shields and we're fine. And yes, I'll keep you around, Klin Shanga. Because at this point, he's entered into a deadly calm phase. <laughs> <laughs> I love his dumb bullshit because as soon as he's like very well i won't kill your man and you can have whatever you want and i don't care and i'll be a little bitch for you (laughs) but i'm still gipta yeah i'll just in my mind i'm gonna talk about how cool i am yeah and uh we get uh then he gets thinks he wins so he leaves yeah and then we get the I'm going to tell the Navy to stop by order of Roker Gepta, Sorcerer of Tund. And there is no, there's no, there's no real confirmation that the Navy gives a fuck or knows who he is. That's a very good point. I think ultimately all of this chapter is empty bluster about what are we going to do about these things? What are we going to do about the Navy and so on? That's primarily just there to help the reader forget that fucking Roker Gepta has the anti-life equation at the bottom of his ship. And that's the perfect way to get rid of the Navy and the Oswaft. Yeah. Now, even I mean, I was like, this is a decent ploy, though, because even if they are like, who the fuck is Roker Gepta? They are going to have to stop and go up the chain and go, is this a person we do actually have to pay attention to? Lord knows. Because he is giving us commands like we should. That's another one of the sub-themes in this book has been like, the Navy doesn't know what it's doing. Because only people at the very, very top of the chain ever actually get to know. So all these Navy guys are like, who the fuck is Roker Gepta? I don't know. He sounds important. Hey, if you ever read Catch-22, I bet the author wishes you had. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm like, even if he has zero power over the Navy, it will probably stall them for at least a day or two while they attempt to figure out if they're supposed to listen to Roker Gepta. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, so Shanga is mollified and strolls out. I honestly, also I need to say please. the very last thing in this chapter. Yeah, go ahead. Where he's like, "Oh, that Shanga! How I hate him! Ooh, he, he's he's the most asshole person ever, except for maybe Lando Calrissian. But this guy's deliberately being an asshole. And the most peculiar aspect of it is that somehow it felt good, like I'm Daddy's little pig." <laughs> 
Daddy's little pig needs Shanga's foot on him. <laughs> I hadn't even noticed that. I noticed the line about how it felt good, but I thought that was about it felt good that he had uh, issued an order that wasn't just like, I'll murder my own crew. Oh, no. I mean, it's supposed to be, oh, it felt good that he had an equal to challenge him. That's fair, yeah. Because he's like, oh, I'm the best and no one has ever challenged me. But it really comes off as, oh, it feels so good for someone to tell me that I'm a bad boy and I should do what I'm told. I just like, uh, the thing I can't help but think about Roker Gapta at this point, whenever he has these lines where he's like, I hate Klinshanga, only as much as I hate Lando Calrissian, ever, never have I met anyone I hate as much. And I'm like, how charmed were your first 3,000 years, my dude? You really seem to give a huge shit about these two guys. Yeah, it They're really... Like the, it's like the only two people you ever met. It's strange, because I'm like, I guess just every single time anyone got in your way up until now, you've been able to just murder them and feed them to your ass spiders, and it didn't matter? There's been multiple times where he could have just handily killed Lando and fed him to the ass spiders. Like when he had him tied to the picnic table, he could have just shot him with a gun. He'd be done. But no, because <laughs> he's like, like I've got to I gotta drag this shit out. And I guess that worked. Like... He, he has his own little, like, mind palace monologue here. He's like, the last person that I did this to, I kept alive for centuries, and he begged for death. And you're like, wow, I guess you just had a time and no one gave a fuck then. But I, shit's happening now, dude. You're on a clock. You can't just spend centuries fucking around. I think what's happened here is we've seen the, the effects of being so successful that your head's gone so far up your ass you can't work anymore. That, like, 300 oh, yeah. years ago... Gepto would have been like, I hate this guy. I, it's Boobles McDoof. He's he's a Star Wars man. I hate him. And then he just like shot I him. I hate you, Daniel Star Wars. <laughs> and then he just like caught him and tortured him to death. And it was fine. But now he's gone so far up his own butt that he's like, well, my monologues have to take 45 minutes and allow for at least five escape attempts. Yeah, he's he's gotten to the point where he's like, oh, you've promoted to the point of incompetence where you can no longer do your job yes like it used to be <laughs> the peter principle is what has defeated roker Gepta. yeah it's like look you used to be low enough level that all of your schemes were like easy enough to accomplish but now that you've gotten to this level mm -hmm. of schemes it's too <laughs> complex and you don't know how to do it you should have learned the lesson of boobles mcdoof <laughs> Always murder the guy immediately. <laughs> Boobles McDoof. <laughs> Abject lesson in how to villain. So so anyway, um, I, I honestly expected Shanga to stop by uh, Burn's cell again and just kill him. To be like, look, I, you know, we both, we both know this is what's going to happen. I'm just going to do it with a blaster bolt so it doesn't happen with like meat hooks or whatever no, the fuck. Fucking uh, Roker already said he was going to give him back to oh, Shanga. Sure, Roker said something. That's the most reliable source in Star Wars. <laughs> no, it is here because he's Daddy's little pig. I promise I won't kill you, Boobles McDoof. <laughs> no, Roker Gepta is Clint Shanga's little pig, pig yeah, and yeah. he loves giving <laughs> Shanga anything he wants. Yeah. Instead, we focus on Osuna Wet for a while, and what I gotta say is the most anticlimactic surprise reveal I've ever encountered. Right? Who could care? A whole fucking chapter for Osuna Wet, where he's like, oh, oh my dark and secret past, you'll never guess. Uh, I, I was the guy with Vuffy on the Rantation. I was the guy behind Vuffy Raw. I was the guy who was like, put on this plastic alien suit and go and start the war. And in order to hide from the Renatasians, I've had bone grafts to make me all tall and gangly. I used to be short and fat. 
And I'm like, dude, no one gives a fuck who the guy behind Buffy Raw, the Renatasia system was. You, in fact, I would say you are the only person in the galaxy who cares. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's definitely something where I'm like, oh yeah, he's the other face that they knew. So obviously, you know, if Shango recognized him, he'd go, oh, let's murder this dude because he was also there. Yeah, I assume he's like way down at the number two goal. We got to kill that weird alien. And then look, if we're not busy, and his hand back. <laughs> Because as far as they know, uh, Osuna Wet was just like this guy's secretary. So when they landed and he made it so that Buffy looked organic, he was like, oh, I'll take the role of just being like your valet. Mm -hmm. Because that's how he always did things. It turns out he's not really an anthropologist, although he, I mean, is, he also, is also an anthropologist, but he's a centrality spy. And this is the kind of job he does, destab destabilizing economies so that his government which we never really figure out what it's called beyond the centrality, which really just describes his location in the galaxy. Uh, they, yeah, the fact that it's not the Empire, there's like, oh no, there's some other giant Navy and spacefaring thing out there that isn't the Empire, and we're not going to get into it. Yeah, we get the same thing with the, with the uh, Han Solo books, where they describe the, the corporate sectors. Yeah, but and, at least that's sort of described. This yeah. is just... There's some sort of giant army out there that has an empire. I mean, and I it's not the empire, it's an empire. I appreciate that about both of these books, or trilogies of books, because it, you know, it, it sets up that the galaxy is kind of too big for one empire to conquer. Like, by the time you conquer one side, the other side will have rebelled and freed itself, and it's like a hundred years away by, by interstellar's travel. So why try to take, so we're seeing big chunks yeah. that are ruling things. So he's a centrality spy who was in charge of the planetary destabilization of the Renatasia system. The nice thing we get here, I don't give a one fuck about Osuna Wet turning no. out to be be that guy. I don't care. But no, I, and the fact that the whole chapter is just him, I'm like, why? Who cares? I The second you were like, oh, but little did they know it was me. And I'm like, dude, I knew. I figured that was you. You were the one with Vuffy wrong. You had Vuffy. As soon as they told us, like, oh, yeah, some dude showed up. And he had this droid, and then he destabilized everything. I was like, oh, yeah, that guy. We already met him. Even though we both knew this already going in, and we had both sussed this out, we were both like, eh, it wouldn't matter. Like, the no Renatasia system. The thing, the thing that gets me is that it keeps setting the Renatasia system's downfall is, like, closer and closer in history. Like, we know it happened while Shango was a soldier in the Renatasia, so it's sometime in the last 40 to 30 years that all of this Buffy Raw shit went down. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, uh, so anyway, uh, he's lying in bed. Uh, similar to some Earth guy who did that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's just sitting there being like, little do they know, I was the guy. I was the guy who told him to do I that. I was the guy all along. Yeah. Except like, at least he he's not like, oh, teehee, I have fooled them. Instead, he's like, I actually have fucking nightmares about what I did. It's one yeah. of the few things that haunts me because I had to be there for it. And it's it's not even like he had to be there for it and, and it broke him because he'd never seen this kind of thing before. It makes explicit that he has done this kind of thing all the time. Well, yeah, but he's never had to stick around yes. for it. And there was something special about the Renatasia system. Like, they went out there, they found them. It didn't make any sense that they were there. They've been there for far too long for, for uh, what the centrality considered the dawn of space flight. Um, but... One and they weren't advanced. They didn't have hyperspeed. They couldn't affect the the navy ships that the. No, they're uh, the, they're basically like Earth future because they had managed to make colonies within their solar system. Yes, a little bit ahead of, of Earth time, and they had spent that entire time 
not quite developing science, but inst- or good science, but instead fucking fighting each other all the time like goddamn drunk-ass Vikings so that they're all the best warriors in the galaxy. Yeah, and it's, I mean, the big thing is they're like, oh, yeah, when we first showed up with our giant spacecrafts, they shot nukes at us, which immediately blew up on our shields, did nothing, and we didn't give a fuck. Yeah. But they are very weird for Star Wars in that they did not have planetary governments or anything. Just like Earth, it was like, no, there was a shit ton of different nations. Yeah. Yeah, and what happens here is we get a little discussion from Wet where he's like, look, it's nice that our Navy is completely immune to whatever they could possibly do, but you can't conquer a system with a Navy. You can if you don't want the system afterwards. You oh, yeah, if all you want to do is murder everyone, you can send a bunch of capital ships and that's fine. Yeah. But that doesn't get you dudes or materials. Or just these pu- these beautiful, lush worlds with all kinds of space to grow things. To do that, you have to go in there all dirty with men and kill everybody. And then we get the story about how when they tried to do that, they send down the landing boats to uh, full of armed soldiers, and the Renitations killed 93% of everybody on the first boat. Yeah, first wave almost entirely wiped out. Second wave was like 87% wiped out. And it just goes on like that for de- for like a decade. Yeah, and these guys, uh, Vuffy Raw and uh, Osuna Wet, were stuck on planet because they were like, oh, as soon as we gave the information to the fleet that was like, Hey, we've seen all of their capabilities. They can't do shit. They're ripe for conquest. Come on down. Mm-hmm. Like, they tried to go hide, but they could not get off planet. And so they just kept doggedly being pursued by the Renitations. And so they were like, yeah, we kept almost getting murdered over and over and therefore had to stay on planet and witness how this was going down. Normally, he's like, I would just fuck off and go to my next assignment, and then I might hear what happened to them later. Yeah. But here, I was on planet watching everyone die, being hunted like a dog, mm-hmm. and that terrified me. Yeah, it broke him. It almost broke Vuffy, too. Uh, notably, one of the big distinctions between uh, uh, Wet's ownership of Vuffy Raw and Lando's is that Wet wanted nothing more than for Vuffy Raw to call him Master, which Vuffy was not programmed to do, and would like, not do nope, it. Can't, can't do, do it. it. I'll call you Sir. That's as much as I'm... And Vuffy was broken by the experience as well. There's a point where when basically Osuna Wet presses a button to say, like, all right, Navy, come on down, uh, Vuffy practically turns off. He just kind of goes, eh, fuck this. Yeah. He, for the first time, Wet notes, he's like, oh, Vuffy expressed an opinion. Yeah. Because he had said out loud, like, oh, I wonder how this is going to go. And, you know, they'll be part of, it'll change their history. And Vuffy just pipes up and goes, no, you're going to end their history by pressing that button. Mm-hmm. And it surprises Osuna Wet because he's like, wait, what the fuck? When do you, since when do you have opinions? And he's like, oh, I'm just stating fact. I thought you, you asked me a question. You asked a question to the air and I answered it. You are going to end these people's history if you yeah. do this. It's also worthy of note at this point that uh, Buffy Raw is every bit as mysterious in provenance to Osuna Wet as he was to Lando. No one knows where the fuck this thing came from. Oh, yeah. He just has the same story. He's like, oh, when I told uh, Lando that, yeah, this thing, it's weird and he doesn't remember anything, that's the same story he got. Yeah, found it in a pirate wreck, whatever. Yeah, it's just, oh, I got fucked up while I was en route somewhere and it damaged my memory. Don't know. Yeah. So uh, so there you go. But yeah, that's Osuna Wet's story. Now, after that happened, he ran off planet as fast as he could. He lost Buffy Ross, like, l- literally lost Ruffy Raw. By losing him in a card game to Lando. That's how recently all this Renatasia shit went down. Oh, it's, I mean, it's 
post, I think, his change to himself, like yes. his weird body mods. He was gangly when we met him in, in uh, that, yeah. But it's also, this was an order for him to lose the robot, and he was like, oh, thank God, because this thing is going to be a magnet for people that want to murder me. Yeah. So even if I look different, they'll still hunt Buffy down. Why he was super happy to dump that thing off on, or dump Buffy off on Lando the moment he had the opportunity. But yeah, he's had a number of bone grafts to make himself tall and skinny instead of short and fat. Uh, and he's hiding from the Renatasians, even though God knows they don't seem to care. And he's got fully gray white hair now because he has basically been scared to the point where he has gone prematurely gray. Yes. So there you go. And he's lying there in a bed, pressing a button on the side of his sh- uh, his bed that doesn't put him to sleep so much as just shoot rest at him. Yeah, he's got a relaxation mask that just shoots relaxation energy into his brain. He won't let himself sleep right now because he thinks it's pretty likely that he's going to get called back up by Roker Gepta any second. Yeah, and if he's asleep when he gets called up, then, you know, Roker will just be like, How dare you ever sleep? Death to you! (laughs) I'll feed you to my bats that feed themselves to spiders! (laughs) All right. Okay. Well, what's he going to (laughs) do? That's Roker for you. Also, I'll poke you while you go with a stick! All right, well... Yeah, can't can't stop that. <laughs> it's the stick I took from my own eye that Lando put there when he stabbed me on that Bohuamutta ass... Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, it's, it's fine. It's fine, it's fine. Look, hey... Look, I know you think everything's portentous. Buddy, <laughs> only you care. <laughs> I hate to break this to you. You're the only one who gives a shit. You and I share something in common, which is that only only we only care about our own stupid thing that we think is monumental. <laughs> we do get one... Uh, last thing that exists in this, which is we do check in very briefly with the one, the other, and the rest. Yes, and the one, the other, and the rest are on their way to where they think the whole big conflict is going to go down. We haven't had a necessary establishment that they are headed to the Star Cave, but come on, they're headed to the Star Cave. Yeah, because this is, look, we've only got two more episodes in here, I think six more chapters left in this. Yeah. So things are coming to a head rapidly, Yeah. and it is obviously going to come to a head in the fucking Star Cave. Yeah. So... Where else would the one, the other, and the rest be going? <laughs> it would be really funny if they just were somewhere else. <laughs> anyway, while that's happening, we're at Bob's Big Boy. You're like, wait, what the fuck is going on we here? We made it just in time to watch Alderaan be destroyed. Our plan. Okay, now to dissipate back into space. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, ever since they've decided to uh, kind of discover something new, they're getting real snippy at each other. So the one and the other are just being like, well, the other is like, are we going as fast as we can? I feel like we're going slow. The other one, the one's just like, relax, dude. We're going faster than anyone's ever gone. <laughs> Look, we'll get there and it's fine. He's like, yeah, but I don't know what's going to happen. He's like, yeah, the reason you don't know what's going to happen is because we engineered so we wouldn't know what's going to happen. That's the whole point of this. There's a part where he... Th- and he's like, dude, don't be so fucking smug. Yeah, it's weird. There's a point where he's like, hey... If we invented a chemical that would make you calm down, I'd gladly hold you down and restrain you while they injected you with it. <laughs> I hope we find out in Buffy... Well, we don't say Buffy Raw, but when we no. go find our thing that has all the information we want and extract it from it, I hope it has information on how to make you less smug, <laughs> you piece of the, shit. Does that mean the secret's out for you, too? Like, it's, oh, of it's course. All, no, we mentioned one, that last time we talked about it. It's the them. one remaining pairing of possible secrets, so yeah. These things are obviously the people that put Buffy Raw out there. Yeah, no. We we mentioned that the first time they came up. It's obvious that they made Buffy Raw, because as soon as they're like, we made a thing and put it out into space to cause chaos, and you're like, look, there's a, there's a con- conservation of characters mm-hmm. here. You had to have made someone we've seen already 
And let me guess, it's the one that has a mysterious background where we don't know where it came from? Well, keep in mind, he's one of two that have a mysterious, or three that have a mysterious background that we don't know about. We don't know where, where uh, Roker Gept is from, and we actually don't actually know where Lando Calrissian, <laughs> so h- how great would it be? If they just showed up, they're like, Lando, we created you years ago to be perfect at Sabacc. <laughs> It's impossible to be perfect at it. It's a randomized game. And yet, we have used our many mystical powers to make you... We like the mustache and cloak. We will incorporate those. Goodbye. (laughs) We are giant starfish with mustaches and cloaks. Good day. Enjoy my cummerbund on this starfish body. Uh, I don't know why. I guess because Buffy's a starfish. Fair. Uh. (laughs) So... So yeah, that's that's I think is that the end of these? Yeah, so I mean the end was the wet chapter. I think the one and the rest came earlier. Yeah, we just the forgot to mention cycle, them. Yeah. yeah. Cuz there's even I think there's even a check-in with Lando and Buffy during the vignette cycle that doesn't really matter. It's just the two of them sitting in the ship talking about odds or something. So yeah, there's there's a lot going on, but we are definitely bringing it into to a, a natural close. Yeah. So, oh, there is one more bit of information that was important in this chapter. Oh my goodness. I just wanted to get it out real quick. Oh my, oh my goodness. Um, they established it's, it's that, it's something that, that, uh, Vuffy and Lando learn that the Navy and that Roker Gepta and Osuna Wet and all of them missed, which is that the, <laughs> the thing that destroyed the, uh, the, the Osuna in the battle with the Courteous, the Courteous never fired a shot. They just miscalculated how close they were to the engine cores on that thing. And so when it blew up, it killed them. They never, they never actually got in a fight, and no one knows what would happen if you shot it at, at a, at a uh, Oswald. Yes, because they, I mean, we see it when they treat the Millennium Falcon as a creature. They just are like, oh, you're a giant thing, and you shoot beams at us that tell us, mm-hmm. you know, radio waves, which is how we talk. So we just sort of think of you as an intelligent creature, giant ship. And because when they die, they just sort of disintegrate into little parts. They weren't thinking... Oh, when this thing dies, it is going to explode. Yeah, but effectively, there was there no war was declared yet. They, the basically the all that happened was the Oswald came up and said hi too loud, yeah. and then killed themselves with the explosion from the star destroyer equivalent. Yeah, that's so. Just wanted to bring that up because it's probably going to be important later. Man. So there you have it. That's all that there is for Star Wars this week, unless. You support us at the $4 level over there. Is it $5? I forget what we said it. Uh, it's probably still 4 It's probably 4 Over at the uh, at our bonus content. It's probably... I mean, it's not like we're in charge of our own Patreon or anything. No, it's not like we have an LLC and responsibilities to our patrons and listeners and everything and ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Head on over to patreon.com slash systemmastery. Join us at that $4 level. You unlock the expanded, expounded universe where we go to Wikipedia, find some dumb nonsense, and report back to each other and to you our findings of the various things that people have thought were fine to include in a Star Wars book. And boy, oh boy, is it ever a big old list. <laughs> so so we've been things. doing it for forever and we're slowing no signs of stopping. So, but you also at that level you get a couple of awesome benefits because you know we usually holidays aside do like four episodes of Expounded Universe a month. So you're getting four bonus episodes there. You're also getting the two System Mastery bonus episodes that happen every month, where we make characters in the game we just reviewed. And as an added benefit, that's brand new, even though it really is just a thing we took away from people a while ago. Uh, it's all ad free. Yep, it's all all of our basic shows. If you're supporting us at any level, become ad free. We had to switch to an ad-supported model because we just weren't making enough to support ourselves anymore. 
And but neither of us like that. No, no. one no one likes ads. I would prefer that you listen to this sans ads. Yeah. Which even if you don't want to go up, bonus content isn't a thing you care about. A dollar a month, two dollars a month, $2 a month. Uh, is the lowest setting you can get. And that just gives you the RSS feed for all of our shows, ad-free. And the bonus content. We even have a bonus show for you at that level. So, yeah. Please, we don't want ads. We just are hindered by the reality of capitalism, just like everybody else. Yep. But, but, but what we've tried to do, our biggest goal is to give you an out. Just give us the two bucks directly. You get, you get rid of those dumb ads. You get to listen to our show as fast as you can. So fast. Cram it in your ear holes. You put that at 1.5 speed, mm-hmm. and baby, you work out to us. We got the BPMs. <laughs> That's right. I maintain a, a, a steady 143 BPM. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, head on over to patreon.com slash systemmastery to support us there, or you can go ahead and head on over to systemmasterypodcast.com if you want to just give us some money. There's a button to just one time do that. Yeah, you can do that. You can skip... Uh, all the middlemen, except for PayPal. There's always a middleman. There's always a middleman. L- literally, unless you see it as a conve- at a convention and just hand <laughs> us an envelope full of cash. Yeah, if you find us on the street and just hand us a thing of cash and we dig into our pocket and give you Peach Cobbler, <laughs> then that's the only non-middleman. I think what we should probably do is record an episode and just put it on, like, a, a, a thumb drive. like like it's just- <laughs> Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and do one of those weird ARGs, and you'll have to find the episode. Yeah, and then you have to give us a suitcase full of cash, and you get the episode, and no one else has it. And the suitcase <laughs> doesn't have to be that full of cash. You yeah, can- look, we're doing NFTs yeah. as episodes now. You can have the episode for about a suitcase half full of cash, and then just Carl's Jr. piled on top of it. The bottom of this bag is some hundos, but mostly the thing I care about is the double western on top of it. Hey, that's obviously that's what we don't put drinks in there. That's just going to spill. But yeah, we'll make a special episode that's on a thumb drive. <laughs> no one. And I, I, I'll tell you what, I promise we won't sell it to some pharmaceutical company asshole either. Yeah, definitely not going to do that. I know what that Shkreli guy looks like, so you're safe there. Uh, and of course, if you can't support us financially, we understand, but you can always. Tell a friend, tell someone about the show, leave a review wherever you listen to it, help other people find the show, and that way we can grow and continue to do what we do mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. So thank you so much, and until such time as we see you again in about a week or whatever, I've been Elan Sleeves Bagano. And I'm Osuna Wet and Buffy. Get a mopping bucket for that Wet and Buffy. <laughs> In the universe of Star Wall Odyssey, space is made out of the collective imaginations of all the thinking beings who live on various planets. These worlds are connected to each other through imagination. Common themes and ideas are strings between universes. And to get between them, people fly wooden ships that look like animals, which are powered by emotions. Also, people communicate with each other by contemplating orbs. The only way you can take pictures is getting stared at by a big psychic bug. And people have already declared victory in a war over the very concept of evil. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Starwall Odyssey follows the adventures of the hapless inhabitants of the Lucky Finn Tenement Building, who suddenly find that their apartment is actually a spaceship, and that they're lost in a sea of boundless imagination. 
It's an actual play starring me, James D'Amato, Mel D'Amato, Ali Grauer, and Drew Merzieski, as we play test the No King system, which will hopefully one day be the Skyjacks role-playing system. It toes the line between weird and wonderful slice of life and high-flying space fantasy. You can sample the first five episodes by searching for Starwall Odyssey on your favorite podcast app, or get the whole thing by heading to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and signing up for $5 a month or more.